It is a Football Friday, Week 5 edition, and the debut of the black alternate uniforms. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Zach Gershman joins me. Looking forward to seeing the new uniforms on Sunday. Also looking forward to seeing a Cardinals win over the Bengals. Based on each team's first four games, yeah, the Cardinals have looked like the better team. Let's break it all down. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 682, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a five. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. So you a uniform guy? I love uniforms. Okay, so you're really looking forward to Sunday. All black uniforms, flipping the switch, look good, feel good, play good. Mm. And fitting that you say that, because Sunday, the new alternate black uniforms debut, the day before on Saturday, Deion Sanders in town with the Colorado Buffaloes. Listen, he's the one where, where style comes into your play. He's the one that's kind of the... The godfather of that one, Coach Prime. So, I mean, it's gonna be very interesting to see what Coach Prime's able to do here in the in the Valley. I mean, you, uh, Colorado's coming off two tough losses. They have a chance here to bounce back against Arizona State, though. Should be a good, fun football weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And considering how the all white looked a week ago, white tops, crisp, white pants. I was a huge fan of that look last week. Now. We have seen the black alternate uniforms in action during the unveiling. We have seen the black helmets on the practice field. Just have not seen it all put together on the football field with the lights in the stadium. It's a just it's just a different kind of feel and look. So we saw the white uniforms twice so far, once in the preseason and obviously this past weekend in San Francisco. I found it so unique to see the difference with the lighting, and maybe this is just the Coming out of college, everything's focused on lighting and audio. Those are the two things that we were taught. No matter what the content is, if the lighting's bad or the audio's bad, it, the, the package is kaput, it's over with. But to see how the sun was shining off of these, off the helmets and the uniforms as a whole, it was absolutely beautiful. The black uniforms are going to look equally as beautiful once they're out on the field. Uh, I'm really excited for this one. They'll wear, talking about the Cardinals, they'll wear the black alternate uniforms one other time this season. That is when they host the Rams on November 26th. But the first game is this Sunday, October 8th, 105, Cardinals and Bengals. 105 kickoff, 8.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. You have a pair of 1-3 and three teams. And a little bit later on here on Cardinals Cover 2, we'll be joined by Jeff Hobson, senior writer, Bengals.com. But two teams, Zach, that are 1-3, and three, yet seemingly headed in opposite directions because there is a lot of encouragement with the Cardinals at 1-3, and three. not so much with the Bengals considering the expectations they had coming into this season. John Tagana has repeatedly said that this is a team that – I asked him earlier on in the week if 1-3, and three, are you, Bill Parcells had the famous quote, you are what your record says you are, and I asked him about the Arizona Cardinals, and JG said, I do. I do think that that's – who we are. We're a one and three team. By the way, that's all that he said was just, I do. <laughs> I, I get the two word responses out of JG, which could tell enough of a story, but when you're trying to write articles, 
it's not enough of a content there. I digress. But for him, when I when he was followed up about the Cincinnati Bengals being one and three, he spoke about how they're still a dangerous team. They've been in the championship game two years in a row, and I think that's why the expectations are very different. You went, you look at Cincinnati. Joe Burrow just signed that major deal entering the season. His calf injury has limited his uh, limited his play a little bit, and he said that earlier this week that his ability to scramble out of the pocket to extend plays that's something that's been limited. It hasn't really changed much else. It's just it's fascinating because the the public's perception going into this was the Cincinnati Bengals. You're expected to be about four and zero, three and one entering this game. The Cardinals zero and four. Obviously, that's not the case. They're both at one and three. Well, you look at this three game stretch at the start of the season: Cowboys, 49ers, Bengals, and you're looking at okay. Well, there's that's just a formidable three game stretch. Well, also, the Giants too being. You know, in the playoffs last sure, year. Sure, that's right. They had expectations, and then they those expectations have fallen flat. You you get a sense, at least on the Bengals' side, that it's just a matter of time before things click, and you just hope it's not this week, because I do feel very confident in the Cardinals. Look, what we've seen so far through four games, the Cardinals are a better football team. Mm-hmm. They have played better. They have protected the football. They have scored points. Their defense is held up. Can't say that about the Bengals through four games. I think it's also the locker room component of it. Week after week, Jamar Chase has come out, has, has come out to say that he's not satisfied with the play of the team as a whole, and he's not satisfied with his touches specifically. And we know the type of talent that Jamar Chase is. If he had a healthy Joe Burrow, it could be a completely different conversation with Jamar Chase's involvement in the offense. But this Cardinals locker room is so locked in. They're so bought into Jonathan Gannon's system. They recognize what the public's perception was of them ahead of time. They shut out that noise. It seems like Cincinnati has started to let the noise invade the locker room a little bit. Hollywood Brown on Thursday asked about the team and his feelings through four games. Mentioned that, yeah, we would like to get a win, but, quote, the morale of the team is unwavering. And then he added, we're all on the same page. We all got the same wants. There is a tremendous amount of buy-in from that locker room on this coaching staff, regardless of what the record. Now, you hope that continues all the way through this season. Cardinals, again, coming in with a little bit, I wouldn't say momentum, but feeling good about themselves, even though they lost last week to the 49ers. Now, as far as the injury report is concerned, no one, as we broadcast at this moment here on Friday, has been ruled out. I'll say this. When someone does not practice on Wednesday, someone does not practice on Thursday, and then you get news that a player at that position has been signed to the practice squad, my guess is, considering that Keontae Ingram did not play last week, I'm going to guess that I'm leaning more towards Ingram does not play this week and that leaves a hole as far as your backup running back is concerned you do have Amari DiMercato you do have Corey Clement on the practice squad and then the addition of Damian Williams this week on the practice squad as well a veteran back joining the unit is definitely something helpful when they elevated Corey Clement to the active roster for the game against the 49ers and he I don't believe he He got any play yeah he did not play on offense I think he had a couple special teams plays but besides that when it, when it comes to a neck injury like Keontae has, those are the ones you always have to be very careful of because that's not just a football injury. That's a physical health injury that, as a whole, you must be very mindful of. Amari DiMercato is kind of taken with Keontae being out due to injury. He's kind of assumed that RB2 slot that was really between Corey and Keontae during training camp, at least so we all believed, but it's going to be 
that this is Amari's chance to step up and to also, as a rookie back, learn from a Damian Williams coming in, knowing all the years of experience he has. Also on the offense, the offensive line, Yelda Froholt dealing with a neck issue. Will Hernandez popped up on the injury report on Thursday with a back issue. Again, all these players limited. And then Dennis Daly, the practice window opened up for him this week. Does he get now signed to the active roster, or do the Cardinals wait a little bit before they bring him back into the fold remember that was someone and Gannon mentioned it earlier this week Zach that they had a role for Dennis Daly he wasn't going to be a starting offensive lineman but they had a role for him on game day whether as a six offensive lineman meaning you come in as an extra blocker or a fullback special teams so I would expect maybe not this week but when he's ready if he needs extra practice time, because he did have a full training camp and much of the preseason, that you are going to see Dennis Daly among the active offensive linemen on game days. You would assume so, and I think in, ahead of time we said, all right, the, the offensive line, they have their five and that's that. But to see a guy like Tristan Colon come in and to take snaps at that left guard spot and even have to jump in at center for Yelda Froholt when he, had, when he was uh, forced to the sidelines due to precautionary reasons, I guess whatever the spotters saw of him during that game against the 49ers, but Dennis Daly is a big body. He he beat out Josh Jones. Josh Jones was traded. So you were you know that you're going to be able to have him. Kelvin Beecham's on that tackle spot. Dennis Daly could be more in the guard spot. So you assume that he's going to be activated if healthy. That's only if healthy. Right now they've been able to manage throughout the first four games without him using Tristan Colon in that spot. They could activate him. It won't change the matter of the game, I don't believe, but it's a good player to have because, as you mentioned, Craig, JG said they did have a spot for him going into the start of the season. Sticking with the line of scrimmage, the defensive side of the ball, defensive line, Jonathan Ledbetter, a finger injury limited in practice on Wednesday, did not practice at all on Thursday, but according to Gannon, did not have a setback. Still wondering about his availability on Sunday. My guess is that it will be a game day decision for Ledbetter. It certainly would be helpful if he was on the football field to add some depth. Ledbetter did address the media earlier this week, and when he's been at practice that one Wednesday, he had, I think, what, two of his fingers heavily Mm -hmm. wrapped. And again, when you're a lineman, a linebacker, and you're trying to shed a block or whatever or get some leverage, how do you grasp your hands, your fingers, if two or three of them are heavily bandaged? So something to figure out. It's easy maybe for Chris Barnes, Mm -hmm. has a club on his hand. That's a massive club, And it was a massive club. We'll see if he's able to play some defense this week. He was just strictly special teams last week, and that was why Zeke Turner got the start. And then you got Josh Woods who has looked good in practice this week after missing each of the past three weeks with an ankle injury, maybe a little more depth at inside linebacker. JG said that Josh Woods wants to get back out there, but they have to be careful and ease his way into it. So the way he phrased it makes it seem like that it's also going to be a game day decision for Josh Woods when it comes to Ledbetter. I know JG said that he doesn't believe that there was any setbacks, but it seemed a little odd. Either they, either Jonathan Ledbetter wanted to was joined practice too early and didn't let it fully heal or JG's just telling us that there is no setback, but there could potentially be one. It was a little strange to see him practicing on Wednesday, seeming in high hopes on Wednesday and then Thursday 
not being out on the practice field. So it's something to keep an eye out on, but that defensive line is really anchored by Jonathan Ledbetter as much as it's about his actual play on the field. It's the the juice he brings to that defensive line and all these social media clips, the Arizona Cardinals social media team, which they do a great job with with these mic'd up clips. When, when we've seen the sights and sounds, Jonathan Ledbetter is heavily involved on both sides. He's going up to Josh Dobbs. He's going up to the wide receiver core. So he's a valuable piece to not just the defensive line, but the entire team as a whole. And getting back to that setback, not a setback, it could have been just something that, all right, let's see how with that hand wrapped, Mm -hmm. how you practice. And maybe just, again, could not get a grip or grasp on things. And you're like, you know, this is just not working Let's back off. So, again, not a setback, but can you play with this injury might be something that they learned Wednesday. Hey, what? Can't practice like this on Thursday. Let's revisit it on Friday and see where we are on game day. So, again, just something to keep an eye on when Gannon does say no setback. It could more be more of a, like a, an equipment it could be. kind of a thing. It could be. And I think that, I mean, as, as you said, Craig, that's one of those positions where you need every part of your body to get by these big offensive linemen and try to get to the quarterback. You know that Joe Burrow is not going to be scrambling outside the pocket much, so you want to do whatever you can to get by the lineman quick because he's going to be on an island right there in that pocket. So if And if, if Jonathan Ledbetter is out there, and he's not fully healthy or he's not fully cleared. While he is talented, it takes away a spot from somebody that is fully healthy, is fully clear, and does have all five fingers to try to get by the offensive lineman too. I mean, all 10 as a whole, but five on one hand uh, to get to get by the offensive line and try to get to the pocket. And then the question is, is there a spot this week for cornerback Garrett Williams to be signed to the active roster after his practice window was opened this week? And yeah, we have seen Garrett Williams with the safety position. He is working with the safety group, maybe more of to see what he can do as a nickel corner as opposed to an outside corner. But Gannon on Friday mentioned that Williams' versatility, they liked it at Syracuse, and now they're trying to figure out where he fits best within that secondary. I think you want to see him out there so you can <laughs> see do. a Syracuse guy out yeah. there. All right, since since you brought it up, I'll, I'll, I'll throw you a bone as well because we are also going to have the debut of Penn State Phenom. Yeah? What? Phenom? There's no. a Penn Stater here? Blake Gillikin, <laughs> the brand-new punter, and more importantly, the holder. Nolan Cooney released after last week's game against the 49ers. That one punt of 20 yards probably did not sit well with anyone. So, again, you're always being evaluated, and there is going to be a new punter. But it's not so much the punting to me. It's the kicking. I mean, it's the holding because we've seen over this tenure of long snapper, holder, and kicker with Aaron Brewer – once upon a time, Andy Lee and Matt Prater, those three pieces worked so in sync flawlessly at times. And when you ever remove one of those pieces out, there was some struggles. And now you're changing Holder for the second time this season for Matt Prater. How does that work out? I think that when I was talking with Blake Gilligan in the locker room on Thursday, I asked him about that. And he said that Matt's had a lot of different holders throughout his 17-year career. So Seeing somebody jump into that spot, although you have to build that chemistry, and it's why Gannon said that they've been working overtime to build that relationship. But Matt Prater is the one of the best of the best out there. And even at his age right now, being one of the longest tenured players in the NFL as a whole, he is continuously showing that 
it's like fine wine. He just keeps it keeps aging and he keeps getting better. It's just it's incredible to see Matt Prater's progression even 17 years into his career. So to have that relationship with the holder is incredibly important. But Blake said he he held in college, he's held in high school. So being able to go here to the Arizona Cardinals and he did it as well with the New Orleans Saints when he was with uh, when he was down there in New Orleans. So he's going to be able to jump in. Hopefully he's able to punt better than uh, Nolan Cooney did because, as you mentioned, Craig, that one 20-yarder really did not. Jonathan Gantz, that was the whole body of work that led to the decision to release Cooney. Prater, by the way, has only missed one kick, and that was from beyond 50 yards. Otherwise, he's been perfect from inside of 50 and on every single PAT. So, again, something to look forward to, pay attention to when the Cardinals and Bengals hit the field on Sunday. Kickoff, 105. Pre-game coverage begins at 830 all right, as promised, we did, or I did, earlier this week have a chance to speak with Jeff Hobson, senior writer, Bengals.com, has been covering the team for a number of years, and we began the conversation with what we had mentioned earlier as far as this Bengals team being 1-3. So many expectations coming into the season. What's the feeling right now in Cincinnati? Well, I'm just trying to keep up with Darren Urban, so that's my, uh, that's my <laughs> focus right now. Um, they need it. Joe Burrow said it all, as he always does. Joe has the uh, always seems to have the word that fit the occasion, and it was uh, it's a must win because it means everything. So I think that's pretty much uh, how they feel going out there. You know, uh, one and three can't fall much further behind. Yeah, Burrow's quote to the media on Wednesday: "We need it for morale. We need it for ranking. We need it for everything." Are you surprised he went that far considering it's just four games into the season? No, I think he's trying to – he wasn't just talking to us. He was talking to his team too, you know. And um, if there had been a lack of urgency, there certainly – and I and I don't think there was. I don't think there was a lack of urgency, but I just think um, that, you know, it's it's something that a leader says, you know. And I think, uh, I think they all realize, and I think, you know – you're looking at a pretty successful veteran team. If you go look at the last two years, you know, five and two in the playoffs, most of these guys are back. So they know, you know, they, they know what the score is. So I don't think, you know, it's not like uh, they're panicking or anything like that. They've been there before. So, um, you know, I think when a veteran leader says something like that, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's something that they accept because they know because they've been through and they've, They've, they've done that. I mean, they were last year. They were um, they were zero and two, and uh, you know two and uh, two and three at, uh, at one point and uh, one ten in a row. So, you know, this isn't new to them. I noticed and reading your work on Bengals.com, first time this season that Burrow did not show up on the injury reports. He says he's going to be better than he has been. How much better do you think he will be specifically this coming Sunday? Well, I think, I mean, I don't think we're going to know until he gets out there. I think what he wants to be better at is just simply moving. Uh, that's so much, you know, as he talked about, that was the big theme yesterday. Was You know, so much of his game is, move, is uh, pocket movement being able to slide up into the pocket or getting out of the pocket and extending plays and getting those big plays um, uh, uh, off the, uh, you know, off script, those off script big plays. And 
he's limited with his mobility. So I, you know, I think that's what he he seems to feel like he's getting that back more and more. Saw flashes of it a little bit in Tennessee. You know, second play of the game, he scrambled, but it was only for a yard. You know, but it's the first time he's done that this year. So I think you know they just hope hopefully they think it's a um, that it will be a uh, you know judging by what everybody was saying yesterday was that it's uh, every week it's getting better. And, uh, you know, no setbacks. And so I think they're just hoping that, you know, uh, a little more movement than he had uh, than he had Sunday in Tennessee. Considering he has not been 100% and just looking at the offensive numbers, they are not good. How much of that is because of Burrow's health or is that just being too simplistic? Yeah, I think it's in, in you know, there's one rule in the NFL. There's, there's not one answer for anything. You know, and so, uh, you know, probably Burrow's limited mobility is, you know, is at the top of the list, but they've had some other breakdown twos. You know, they've had some penalties. Um, they've had, they wish they ran some routes a little better, but I think, um, and you got to realize too, that, uh, he didn't, he wasn't in training camp for 34 days. You know, I mean, he was, he missed, uh, he got hurt in the second week of, he, he got hurt on the second day of practice and didn't return, return to practice until 10 days before the opener. So look at all the timing that's been missed. So I think that's part of it, too. More on Joe Burrow here as we speak with Jeff Hobson, senior writer, Bengals.com, here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals do not blitz a lot. This coaching staff coming over from the Philadelphia Eagles just like to rush three or four and looking at some of the next-gen stats numbers, Burrow the fastest in terms of snap to throw. How are defenses looking at Burrow, at least through these first four games, and what do you expect the Cardinals' defense to do against Burrow and company? I think I think uh, until and – and the guys said this after the game Sunday in Tennessee. Tennessee pretty, pretty much blitzed almost every second and third down. And I know Arizona doesn't blitz much, but – you know they may look at that, and I think they, I think the Bengals expecting the blitz after what Tennessee did to them. So uh, you know I'm not sure that uh, those tendencies are going to hold up. You know I think they feel like Arizona is going to come after them. So um, I think you know Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach, has, has 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 talked a lot about situational football and getting ahead in games. He's, he's been disappointed with how they've started. They haven't. <clears throat> they've gotten better as the game has gone on um, and they have not, but they have not been good getting out of the gate. And so they've been behind and they've let defenses been able to dictate to them instead of the other way around. So I think they feel like if they can get ahead and, and, and get control of the situation, you know, they'll be able to, uh, they'll be able to get on, you know, they'll be able to get on the other side of this. And uh, I think, I think they feel like a lot of it is, you know, they can't get behind and let, let defenses just, pin their ears back you know so uh, I think that's 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 been a big emphasis the last couple weeks is get a lead it would certainly help if you had the availability of a T Higgins and an Irv Smith what are you thinking as we speak here Thursday about their status for Sunday well we'll see the you know we'll see the injury report I think uh uh, Zach's found a pretty upbeat about Irv Irv Smith uh, Jr their tight end Uh, he's missed the last two games because of a hamstring problem and I think uh, it sounds like uh, Zach's confident uh, that he'll be able to play. 
and you know that that that's something else that's been missing too a little bit is uh you know by this time in the season last year and the year before that Aiden Hurst and CJ Uzama had had some pretty big games at tight end so uh it's it's uh, you know he hasn't had that because of the injury to her so that's another thing that, you know so I think they're hoping that uh you know get a little bit more movement, get his tight end back, and uh, things will be better than they were in Tennessee. That's, that's at least two things they didn't have in Tennessee. One more question on the offense. Jamar Chase, his comments in the media this week, and I think he's absolutely correct. He is pretty much always open, but his numbers haven't been great outside the game against the Rams. Again, Joe Burrow hasn't been himself as well. Is it just a matter of time before Burrow and Chase kind of get that chemistry back? Yeah, I mean, I think they showed it against the Rams. I mean, he, uh, Jamal had his best game, 141 yards against the Rams um, on 12 catches. Uh, that was his biggest day since he set the NFL rookie uh, record for a single game with 266. So, you know, he, he's he, he's been a factor. But, uh, you know, he went 7 for 78, I think, uh the other day, I mean, I mean, these guys are they're, they're taking away the long ball. Everybody's taking away the long ball, so I think that that's a uh, that's something you have to look at when you look at Jamal's numbers. But I mean, he played a hell of a game against the Rams because uh, the Rams give you nothing, nothing deep, and uh, so. But I, you know, I think that's uh, he's going to get he's going to get his numbers. He's going to make his plays. It's going to happen, and I think this that the reason it hasn't happened is because. They've been behind, and defenses have been able to dictate, and they've just been able to take away whatever they wanted to take away. And I just don't think a healthier Burrow gets. Um, and uh, Chase Higgins and Boyd, that's just going to that's still they'll catch up to where they should be. Let's switch it over to the other side of the ball. The running defense for the Bengals, they've struggled against the run. Cardinals, though, run the ball very well, at least through these first four games. What has the Bengals' defense attention this week when they look at the Cardinals? Well, it's obviously Carter. I mean, uh, and, and really, they got they got highly guys for Dobbs, and um, they've played Connor before with Pittsburgh. They know, you know, they know he's a terrific competitor, and these guys know him too. Mike Hilton, I believe, grew up with Josh Dobbs in suburban Atlanta and played with him in Pittsburgh, and uh, and and, and uh, Tyler's a uh, uh, was a college teammate of Connor at Pitt. So uh, it's kind of a uh, old home week there. They know each other, and they have highly they have highly guys for Don and Connor. And I think they know that this they're going to have to uh, they got to stop Connor. They haven't uh, you know they let Henry they let Henry dictate the game. That's easy to do. He's Derrick Henry. He's the king. But in the two previous games, the Bengals had only allowed 100 rushing yards in the two previous games to Henry. He had 122 Sunday in Tennessee. But that's because obviously a lot of things with that their 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 offense wasn't you know they were on the field a lot you know and that's the thing they have to fix you know they got to get first downs on offense so the defense can stand up and, and take Connor away but I think yeah they're they they have been historically this defense the last few years has been been top tennis against the run they've been top tennis overall so. You know they they they're usually salty against the run, so uh, they'll they'll want to get back to that. I know they're emphasizing that, and they also have to. The other thing they want to do is uh, you know take you know uh, uh, they've given up too many explosives. I mean there was a nightmarish uh, seven minute stretch in the second quarter 
against uh, Tennessee where they allowed, uh, you know, seven plays of at least 20 yards. So uh, that, 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 you know, obviously that can't keep happening. But I, so I think those are the two elements that they're looking at going into this one. Make sure Connor doesn't take over the game and make sure Dobbs doesn't make big plays out of the pocket. You bring up Dobbs. His mobility has been a plus through the first four games. Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, not that I'm putting Dobbs on those two quarterbacks' levels, but the mobility of a Watson and a Jackson. Bengals already seen those two quarterbacks. You think that could be a benefit for Cincinnati this week? Well, I think they're, uh, you know, they play, uh, they play Jackson twice a year. You know, they've gotten Watson, you know, they've gotten, they had played God, you know, they played these guys a lot. So, I mean, and I think, you know, let's, let's look around the league. Let's face it. Uh, 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 that's what you're getting now. You know, I mean, I, 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 even Burrow, who's a terrific pocket passer, he makes his bones out of the pocket running, you know? So, um, they've, they've done well against these guys in the last couple of years. You know, look at the numbers with the, against Mahomes, you know, they're three and one against Mahomes. So, uh, they understand how, how difficult it is to play a guy like Dobbs because he gets you in a two-way go. And all 11 guys have got to be good. I mean, you know, you can't let these guys um, uh, get out of the – you know, you can't let them uh, come running downhill at you. So, and they, and they know how, uh, how effective a guy like Dobbs can be because you just, you just don't know when he's going to tuck and run. And, and, and he's very good throwing the ball while he's running. So – I mean, it's uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's uh, it's uh, it's tough for you. You know, Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator for the for uh, the Bengals, uh, has always said these guys are uh, they put so much pressure on the defense that it doesn't give you much room for error. Cardinals and Bengals, both teams one and three. They will meet up on Sunday. Jeff, appreciate the time, and uh, I look forward to seeing you on Sunday as well. Sounds good. Come over and say hello. Look forward to seeing you. Have a good game. Appreciate Jeff joining us here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As we continue to look ahead to Sunday's game, Cardinals and Bengals, bring in Zach Gershman here on Cardinals Cover 2. And something that Jeff brought up, and that is something that I've been thinking about all week long, is what this Cardinals defense does with a very, I wouldn't say, well, let's all, I'll say it. A very limited quarterback in Joe Burrow. The Cardinals do not blitz a lot. In fact, they have the lowest blitz percentage in the league, according to Next Gen Stats. And what we've seen out of Burrow is he is not under center. He lives out of shotgun. He is throwing passes very quickly. His snap to throw speed is second fastest in the league behind Tua Tungavaloa. So if you're Nick Rollis, if you're Jonathan Gannon, do you blitz something that you have not done much this season? So the tendency, what are you expecting? What do you do? And then if you do blitz, are you be are you going to be able to get home? Because Burrow right now, out of the shotgun, if he is going to throw it, it's one step, one look, and throw. I think a big part of it's going to depend on the personnel that they put out there whether it's going to be that three outside linebackers one defensive lineman look that we've seen a handful of different times it's really going to depend on also which outside linebackers are out on the field we've seen the bend that Dennis Gardick has and how he's been able to get by linemen and tight ends and running backs trying to block him and to get the hand the four sacks that he has so far this season the there it's funny because we talk about the percentage of 
blitzes that the Cardinals defense produces, yet the sack total looks completely different for the Arizona Cardinals. They've done a really solid job on defense of getting by the offensive linemen with just their outside linebackers and their defensive linemen trying to get through. I do think knowing, going into it ahead of time, knowing that Burrow's mobility is going to be limited, you should try taking advantage of that. You should try, I don't, I'm not saying it's all out blitz, but you should decide to spice it up a little bit more, add some of those blitzes into it to balance it out as a whole. Cardinals tied for 11th with 12 sacks this season. Dennis Gardak leading the way with four. But again, it goes back to what do you do? What are you capable of doing? And then do you mix it up? Now, as Jeff spoke earlier, he, or at least the Bengals, are expecting the Cardinals do to come after Joe Burrow. And why not when you are severely limited? That calf injury that he hurt, missed a month of training camp, aggravated it again in week two. And he's almost looked like a statue there in the pocket. I mean, and from how Burrow performs or the lack of performance, that's where you get these numbers where you're the worst offense in the league. You're 31 running the ball. You're 29th passing the ball. You're second to last as far as points per game. You've only scored three offensive touchdowns this season. That's the fewest in the league. It's not a great offense right now, but if you're the Cardinals, again, do you go against what you have done that's been successful, or is it more of a mix and match? I think it has to be more of a mix and match. Throwing in a couple of blitzes and different looks and different there are different plays that the car that the Cincinnati Bengals were not able to scout. We know Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rollis are defensive masterminds. And to draw up a play for them that they have not shown so far is not hard for them to do. We're only four games in, and while you do have a good amount of tape. For, another, for an opposing team to watch, you have not thrown the entire playbook out there yet. So knowing that they are going to have the ability, I know Joe Burrow said that this is a must-win game for the Cincinnati Bengals, and we spoke about how Hollywood said it's regardless of result, this, the morale of the team is not wavering. This has the opportunity to not just be a must-win game for the Cardinals, but a statement win as well, and it could be heavily anchored by that defense. Cardinals win on Sunday. You could bury the Bengals. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think also as a whole, it the Cincinnati Bengals, while their record is one and three currently, they are still the Cincinnati Bengals that were in the AFC championship two years in a row. We're in the Super Bowl two years ago in LA. To Joe Burrow is still a really solid quarterback. He's being limited right now due to injury. And that's he will not as much as people will say what they want to say about Joe Burrow statistically right now. The, the Joe Burrow that people watch and have fallen in love with over the years is the Joe Burrow from last year and two years ago and three years ago and from his time at LSU when he won the Heisman. People are not judging Joe Burrow right now as harshly because of the fact that they understand that he's limited. He still is Joe Burrow, though, and this is still a Cincinnati team that is currently the reigning AFC North champions, the team that is able that was in the AFC Championship game and was one bad penalty away from playing in the Super Bowl in Arizona last year. You have the chance to make a statement with this one. Should be noted that Burrow did not appear on the injury report this week. He'd been yeah. on the injury report all season long because of that calf, but this week, not on it. Now, does that mean he's 100%? No, but he's probably feeling better than he has, and he said as much. Do you think that there's a chance that this could also just be a, like a, a try and figure out the word for it? Like they could be playing the Cardinals in a sense. 
I wouldn't mess mind with the games. In, I wouldn't mess with the injury report. That is something the league well, but takes that, very seriously. But that's my point, though. If if Joe Burrow is saying that, well, I'm limited in this capacity, but he's practicing fully, doesn't that lead to something in a sense? I guess depending on like what if, player, especially what what good player goes out and says, "This is my flaw," right now. I think that it could be a little bit of mind games in a sense. Brings attention to a certain body part that's not feeling great, but I think we all see what's going on. We and do. It, it, it's you can say Burrow can say whatever he wants until he performs, and we all see it. It's just going to be limited, Joe Burrow, and that calf is still bothersome. Again, now did he get enough treatment this week to where he is maybe not seventy percent, but he's eighty-five, ninety, ninety-five percent? I don't know. The other thing as far as the Cardinals and getting a win this Sunday, because, again, I'm confident the Cardinals right now are a better team. Mm -hmm. The Bengals, defensively, have not been very good stopping the run. Derrick Henry ran all over the Bengals last week. Also threw a touchdown pass. I'm not expecting James Conner to do that on Sunday. Never say never. But I am expecting more than 11 carries for Conner this week versus last week. Again, Cardinals got down in the second half, but I think they went away from James too early in that contest. But I'm expecting the Cardinals to at least establish the run, see if they can get something going because that's been the strength of this Cardinals offense right now. The Bengals are 31st in the league, or second to last in the league in run defense, giving up 157 yards in total over the four games. And Derrick Henry was a big part of that. And just as, as, as a whole – the Cincinnati Bengals' run defense has not been good. I think you definitely need to get more rushes out of James Conner. It's got to be more than the 11. But also, teams are now going into this with the understanding that Josh Dobbs is a dual-threat quarterback, and that's something that they're going to have to prepare for. Yelled to Froho during the press conference when I asked him about Josh Dobbs' mobility. Does that help the offensive line as a whole? And he said, yes, because defenses aren't always preparing for a running quarterback. With Kyler Murray... You know Kyler Murray has the ability to have that video game-like speed, that elusiveness, and be able to break free, break, break free and basically be a second running back. Josh Dobbs and the, this offense that Drew Petzing has drawn up has allowed for Josh Dobbs to use his legs a lot more. Sometimes I think even more than you, uh, an average fan would want to see their quarterback breaking outside of the pocket, but I think you definitely need to draw up some rushing plates, whether that's getting Rondale more back in the backfield or involving Amari DiMercato or whoever that third running back is that they're going to bring up. That is, I think that's really important. Or if Keontae does play. Dobbs has the fourth most rushing yards by a quarterback, and he is number sixth league ranking as far as rushing yards per carry at almost six mm-hmm. yards a pop. So, yeah, he is using his legs. Last week he had 12 carries. Five of those, though, were scramble plays, meaning nothing open, got to get out of the pocket and make something happen so you don't want to see him used too much Mm -hmm. in the run game more of okay this passing play didn't quite work let's do something with this play not make it a negative play and that's when the mobility of Dobbs and his ability to scramble and run I think has surprised some teams so far it definitely has because he's been able to when, when all of his options have been locked down, he's been able to make some magic happen with his legs. And he was one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the SEC during his time at Tennessee. So to hear, you know, Yelda Froholt and to see the teams not be prepared for Josh Dobbs to use his legs and to run outside the pocket, 
it, it's kind of it's kind of confusing in my opinion how teams have not been prepared for this because you know what you're going to get out of Josh Dobbs despite the fact that he's been a journeyman quarterback before coming here to Arizona. It's just now I think it's going to be a matter of how do you utilize the read option? Like you were able to get Micah Parsons to bite on that 44-yard rush by Josh Dobbs on the second play of the game against the Cowboys. That's when you're going to be interested to see how does this running game evolve as a whole, both with the quarterback, with James Conner, and with whoever else you have in that backfield. Dobbs also doing a good job protecting the football, has not thrown an interception this season. Knock on wood, that does not end that streak in on Sunday. How about the list of quarterbacks, though, that haven't? Brock Purdy, Josh Dobbs, and C.J. Stroud. If you would have said at the beginning of last season, just just picture week four, 2022, that next year, Josh Dobbs, Brock Purdy, and C.J. Stroud were going to be the three players that <laughs> I think the college football fans would have said, okay, maybe C.J. Stroud, but I don't think people would have circled Josh Dobbs or Brock Purdy for I don't even one. know if they would have put C.J. Stroud on there because you're talking about a, a rookie, rookie quarterback. Who's surprised a lot of people he's the best rookie of the bunch um unfortunately for the Arizona Cardinals but good for the Houston Texans but unfortunately for the Arizona Cardinals yeah we want him to yeah like listen (laughs) next year have have fun as long as he doesn't that game when we play them later on this year that's going to be an interesting one when it comes to the standings and when it comes to the record because we're going to be getting towards the second half of the season yeah that's not until mid-november november 19th at the houston texans but again the matchup this week cardinals and Bengals. anything else for you zach that stands out about this game on the field between the lines i think it's going to be interesting to see the ever-growing relationship that Josh Dobbs has with his wide receivers. It seems like Michael Wilson's been on top of the world with his performance against the 49ers, the big-time play against the Cowboys, how he's able to come back home. Now he knows that a lot of the spotlight's going to be on him. He's no he's no longer an under-the-radar wide receiver. He's now wide receiver number two, and defenses are going to be preparing for him. The continuing involvement of Hollywood Brown, how he's been improving week after week. His yards and receptions have continued to increase. How that relationship continues to grow. And as a whole, who's going to be able to get to Joe Burrow in the backfield? All right. Before we go here, for those longtime listeners here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, a week ago, we opened the show talking about Wally the emotional support alligator a Philadelphia Phillies fan tried to bring to a game and was unsuccessful. And, of course, we're wondering now what happens when the Cardinals play the Eagles later on this season. But I challenged you a little bit, and I was told that I don't see a alligator in front of you. You obviously don't have one, like a live one, with you present. Now, that would be interesting. But I was told that Perhaps there is something in the works. I went on blackwaterreptiles.com and I found an American (laughs) alligator from Mississippi that is only, it's a baby alligator, but it's $170. And I'm thinking, you know, if 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 I do decide to go down that route and purchase it, it, you know, it could be something that could be the new, I don't want to say the office mascot because that's always going to be Big Red, but it could be somebody that, or something, or just an animal that, you know, people decide to run away from. That that, that <laughs> scared <you> that <laughs> scared me. I didn't want to do that, so I did the logical thing, and I went on Walmart, and I saw in aisle C-15 outside of Scottsdale <laughs> that there's a baby alligator stuffed animal. So I'm thinking that for next week's Covered 2, 
maybe Molly, the stuffed emotional alligator, decides to make her debut. Okay. So you looked at this alligator, this real alligator. Was it an emotional support alligator or just a pet alligator? I don't think alligators just come about and they're just <laughs> emotional support. Like they just here's your emotional support alligator. I think that's got to go through trained. The whole process yeah. So this this training. alligator was not trained. You just I, found one. Online. I just found one okay. and it guaranteed a live <laughs> delivery. So I listen. <laughs> I got to hand it to you. You went through a lot, a lot of research on this. All okay. it took was three searches. <laughs> Stuffed right. alligator at Walmart, stuffed or alligator to buy, and then alligator delivery. And here we are. Something to look forward to, Bird Gang, as we continue here in this 2023 season and whether or not we regret bringing Zach Gershman aboard our content and creative team here with the Arizona Cardinals. You're telling me you don't <laughs> want an emotional support alligator not or emotional support stuffed alligator. Stuff one, fine. Bring it on in. We can okay. we can come up with a third. Let, we can come up with a name on the third floor. I'm sure Chad Burns would love an emotional support stuffed alligator. See, our desks are right across <laughs> from each other, and we have two cardinals that were just in my desk once I moved in to that spot. I'm not sure whose they were, but thank you for the generous gift. So he's got one, and I got one, and they look at each other so they don't feel like too far <laughs> away from each other. But now when this okay. emotional support alligator decides to come in, it's going to make the whole third four board four uh, a lot happier. Wow. We're turning into a petting zoo here. Okay. We're the Cardinals. That's true. Yeah, yes. All animals welcome. Unless, of course, you're the Bengals this week and you're not welcome. I don't, I'd be scared of a Bengal more than an alligator, to be honest. That's true. Bengals a little faster than an alligator. Yeah, and they they got more colors too. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, we'll see where this takes us here as People the season are like, what progresses. Are we doing? Let's get back on track. Cardinals and Bengals coming up on Sunday again. One oh five is the kickoff. Eight thirty pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer Jim Omohundro, our associate producer Cody Fincher. For Zach Gershman, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover Two.